All right, good morning. We're going to start together by reading Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 2. So if you would, read along with me out loud if possible, okay? We'll try to do this as in sync as possible. We'll see how it goes, all right? Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Amen. Thank you for reading along with me. It was actually Romans 1, or excuse me, 8, 1 through 4 that we just read. Uh, so if you weren't here last week, we spent a lot of time in Romans chapter 7, and I hope to connect some dots this morning. Okay, if you were here last week, we talked a lot about sin. Okay, we talked about the, 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 the thing that sin does to us, right? The, that sin seizes the opportunity every chance it gets, right? And we talked about that verbiage, that kind of illustration of, I use the illustration of Mufasa teaching Simba, right, to pounce on Zazu. That's kind of how I see sin sometimes, waiting for the perfect opportunity to take hold in our lives. That sin waits and waits and seizes the opportunity, right? So we talked about that. We also talked about that when, we, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, it can't just be about simple obedience, there has to be more. There has to be more to our relationship than just checking boxes and doing the things that we ought to do, right? And Romans 7 uh, gave us all this, and in a way, Romans 7 left us a little bit hopeless. I don't know, sometimes when I read Romans 7, I'm hopeless because this is where we kind of left ourselves. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Not the most inspiring thing Paul's ever written, Right? And if you keep reading, he's a little bit more inspirational at the end of chapter 7. But for the sake of what I'm saying right now, Romans 7 left us in a hopeless spot. Okay? And I say this, like, full-heartedly, thank God for Romans 8. Okay, we just read Romans 8, 1 through 4 together. And it, we take all this information we talked about last, last week in Romans 7, all this hopelessness that humans are bad, right? That sin seizes the opportunity. And there, there needs to be more in our relationship because we cannot meet the righteous re requirements of the law. There's a really important word that we just read, therefore, okay? And like I talk about in our teen class, and you, I'm sure you've heard this in your life, the corny saying, right? If there's a therefore you got to ask what it's there for, right? It's really dumb, but you'll never forget it, okay? So, therefore, all that stuff in Romans 7 we just talked about, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Not because we are such good people, right? Romans 7 tells us actually the opposite, that we are bad, okay? We are far from God. Not because we are good, not because we have the ability to earn it through our abilities, through your special powers as being hopeless human beings. No, it is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? 
because of verses 3 and 4. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. I say again, thank God for Romans chapter 8. Okay? We cannot fulfill the law. We cannot fulfill the righteous requirements. We can try and try. We can be like the people in Genesis building the Tower of Babel to get closer and closer to God. But we're going to fall short. Okay? Let's just know that and be thankful for Romans chapter 8. But as I read Romans chapter 8 over and over again this week... In verse 2, I'll back up here so you guys can see it along with me. In verse 2, the word freedom, it says free right here. The idea of freedom just kept bouncing around in my mind. Freedom. And so I have to ask you this question, okay? Has there ever been a time that you felt free to try something new? I want to have this idea of freedom together this morning, okay? We read about Romans 8 and the, the freedom that we find in Christ, but I want to kind of capsulize this idea of freedom in our minds. Have you ever tried something new, felt the freedom to try something new in your life? Think about that. For me, when I went to college, I felt very free to try Reese's Puffs for the first time. Uh, if you've never had Reese's Puffs, I urge you to go try some, okay? Um, growing up, we did not have sugary cereal in my house, you know? It was, uh, we, we just ate oatmeal and grits and stuff. <laughs> Instant oatmeal and grits for that, you know. Um, but I got to college, and I was in Walmart getting groceries, you know, and I walked out of the cereal aisle, and there were Reese's Puffs right there. I said, you know what? I think it's time. <laughs> All the commercials made it look so good, and, man, those commercials were right. Uh, to this day, actually, if you go to my house, there's a box of Reese's Puffs up in the pantry. I, Michelle actually had to buy them for me because I'm kind of, you know, I, I don't want to, like, give myself good things sometimes. So she got them for me, and every now and then for dessert. It's not, it's not breakfast, okay? It's dessert. Um, I have some Reese's Puffs. Uh, but I, I bring that up because during that time, I was doing several different things where I was like, well, it's, it's 1 a.m. I think I can go to Taco Bell. No one's going to stop me, right? You know, I, I can fill my mini refrigerator full of soda, and nobody can say a word. And it was one of those things where it was a little bit uncomfortable. If, you, if you've had a similar experience, you know how that feels like, right? Where you're trying new things and you almost feel like you're breaking the rules, but it's like, bro, you just bought cereal. Like, that's not breaking any rules. That's eating, right? But maybe you've had a similar experience where you're kind of uncomfortable with this new sense of freedom. You don't really know what to do with it. Right? You feel a little bit bad for doing so. And it, and it takes time to learn how to navigate this kind of freedom, right? And so I want you to have this idea in your mind because I think this brings us back to Romans chapter 8, at least for me and my Christian walk, okay? This idea of freedom is really, really hard to sit with when you read Romans chapter 8. We cannot forget about Paul's history. Last week we talked about it. But as you read Romans chapter 8, you have to take into consideration who is writing it. Paul the Pharisee. 
Okay, I'm going to remain calling him that forever, okay, because that is part of his identity. And he refers to it over and over again in his own letters. He talks about his past and where he came from, and that's what brought him to where he, where he is now as he's, writing, as he's writing to the Roman church, right? The law-abiding citizen, Paul the Pharisee, the guy is now saying you are free from the law is the guy who was literally obsessed with the law. Do you see the disconnect that we might be missing if we don't take that into consideration? The law-abiding citizen is saying you are free from the law that has no ability to save you anymore. Okay? He is the zealous persecutor of Christians, right? He was, right? He became the post-crucifixion apostle. He had all these things in his mind going together to lead us to Romans chapter 8 where he says you are free from the law. But think about what he had to go through along the way, okay? Let's just look at this really quick together. Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 2. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. This guy is serious, guys. We, got, we have to be thinking about this. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into, into Damascus. For three days he was blind, and he did not eat or drink anything. We're going to skip down to Acts 9.17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again. And be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know what happens next. We know that he has these literal scales fall from his eyes. We know that Paul, he has to spend some time learning and studying. But most of the New Testament is written by this guy. The, same, the very same guy who is going and saying, I need to know more people that I can take away and put into prison for following Jesus. This is the same guy. He has these scales you know, literally falling from his eyes. He has been blinded by Jesus, and he, we know what happens next, right? He becomes one of the, the most vocal leaders of this new way of Christianity. But what happened to Paul on the road to Damascus was that he was confronted by freedom. He was confronted by the freedom that could be found in Christ that he's writing about in Romans chapter 8. He was literally blind at this previous point in his life because we have to remember that Paul wasn't doing this stuff just to be a mean guy. He was doing it because that's what he thought the law, the law was, excuse me, what the law was, oh, I can't talk. What the law was requiring Paul to do, okay? That's what he was doing. That's what he thought he was doing. He thought he was doing the right thing. He was zealous in following God's law. So he did these things. And then Jesus had to literally blind him in order to make him see the freedom that could be found in this way of Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying here? 
We have to have this all in context as we read Romans chapter 8. The law was Paul's life. Could you imagine right now if you walked out of this, this, this building and whatever you think is, 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 is perfect in your life or your, your passion in life, someone said, hey, guess what? Everything that you love, do the opposite. Could you imagine that? I don't want to imagine that because that would be very, very hard to do. But that's what happened to Paul. He was blind and he was woken up to the reality of Christ. We're, we're talking about this new reality. If you look at Mark chapter 2, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he uses these examples of, of sewing a new patch of cloth onto an old piece of clothing. And he talks about pouring new wine into old wineskins. Jesus is talking about this old stuff that you guys were doing, it served its purpose. But I'm this new covenant, this new life, and it's going to change everything that you do. It's going to change everything that you do, so much so that Romans 7 talks about how far away we are from God. But Romans 8 says, guess what? This new thing that Jesus was talking about is perfect. That's awesome. Paul had to literally be blinded so that he could see again. So that he could see the freedom that could be found in Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. After hearing all that about Romans 7, all that about Acts 9, all that about Paul's life, this is truth. And I'm sure this new freedom was uncomfortable for Paul, just like it was uncomfortable for me to buy Reese's Puffs, okay? A little bit different, same idea. This new freedom was difficult, I'm sure, for Paul to really fully understand you see his discomfort in Romans 7. We, we talked about it last week where he says, the things that I want to do, I cannot do, and the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. He's in this there and not there state, and he, he's frustrated. You can see it through his writing, and I'm sure you can see it face to face as he spoke these words to the people in, in Rome. And, and he says in Romans chapter 3 that you're going to fall short. You're going to have tr troubles in this life. But guess what? Jesus is perfect. And even though you fall short... He's there to pick you up. So my question is, as we take all this into consideration, as we take Romans 7 and Romans 8 into consideration, what do we do with this? What are we taking away from these two chapters today? The first thing is I think that we all need to memorize Romans 8.1. It's very simple. I've read it a few times. You guys read it one time. It was a trick. Okay? Romans 8.1, I think it's 13 words. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thirteen words. You guys memorize songs that are longer than that. You guys can definitely memorize 13 words. And the reason why I say memorize Romans 8.1, outside of the fact that, you know, it's good to memorize scripture, obviously. But this scripture is like a motto that I could see Paul saying to himself over and over again. It's one of those things that um, I play golf, okay? I, I, I share this with you. And in, in golf, it's very important to have a, a pre-shot routine that you do over and over again. Why? So you can kind of fall into a rhythm. I see this as Paul's pre-shot routine. The same guy who is wrestling with sin, the same guy who is obsessed with the law, the same guy who is zealously carrying out the things that he thought he had to do for the sake of the law. I can see him closing his eyes when he's in a, in a difficult situation saying, 
Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I can almost see him repeating that to himself over and over again. And I think we Christians have to repeat that to ourselves as well. So the first thing that I think we need to do is memorize this. The second thing is harder. Okay, this is schoolwork. The second thing is harder. Live your life as if Romans 8.1 is true. What do I mean by that? Okay, Jimmy, I try to live, the, live my life as if the Bible is true. I try to live my life as if Jesus did die for me. What do you mean, live life as if Romans 8.1 is true? Because if this is true, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We need to do something about it. For me, and like I said before, I struggle with this because there's this sense of, of being a Christian where I felt unworthy. And yes, that's true. Okay, that is true. But if Romans 8, 1 is true, and if Romans 8 in its, in its entirety is true, we're meant to feel freedom in Christ. Not just unworthy. We're meant to feel free. And yes, that might feel uncomfortable. Because when you think about it, you think about, you know, like, like Euless was talking, like, Jesus died for us. And I don't, I don't want to dwell on that because that, that, that's hard to think about. But he didn't die for us so that we can just be sad all the time. Or that we have to feel guilty all the time. Or that we have to feel like we're obligated to do X, Y, and Z because he died for us. No, he did that so that we can feel freedom in Christ. Okay? Now, at the risk of of destroying my entire lesson, I have a clip I want to show you, okay? Just bear with me, okay? It's going to make sense. But in an act of defiance, dramatically hurled the letter into the sea. This proved a more difficult dramatic gesture than he'd anticipated. Okay. Sometimes I feel like we're that letter. And God is Will Arnett trying to throw us out into the world saying, Jesus died for you, you are free, now go do something about it. But we keep falling back and saying, no, 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 I got got to get myself right first. How many of you have ever said that before? I have. I got to get myself right in order to go out and do something about it. Or, you know what, I'm just too busy right now. Or that person, they probably got whatever going on. They're probably fine. When I read Romans chapter 8 and when I read what Paul says, it seems that God is really, really trying to get us to feel freedom in Christ so that we go out and do something about it. So that we can take this message and take this feeling of freedom that we have and share with others what the freedom looks like in their life. But we're still, we're still caught up here saying, no, 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 not yet. Don't throw me out into the world just yet. I need to come back to you. I, I think about this literally every time I, I read Romans chapter 8. Because sometimes we're afraid. Sometimes we feel like we're not enough. Sometimes whatever, whatever it might be. But you have to realize the freedom that can be found in Christ. So Jesus died so that we could live according to the Spirit. Okay, we, and, and you was actually referenced this in, in the communion talk as well. Because not only do we have this sense of freedom, there's an even deeper sense that we have to remember as we, as we leave this morning, okay? This is also in Romans chapter 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. And rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we might also share in his glory. Not only do we experience freedom in Christ to go and to live out that message in the world, but God is taking it a step further and saying, you are my sons and my daughters. If you live a life according to the spirit, there's so much to gain. And I feel like I bring up the prodigal son all the time about the prodigal son returning. But there's a feast ready to be had because you're still part of this family. No matter how far away you go, or if you're like the, like the video, you, you don't want to go. God is still calling you to be part of this family. And there's freedom in that. There's security in that. And I pray you can feel that freedom and security as you follow Christ and as we follow together. You are free and you are family. There's not much better it gets than that. Live like that. And I say all this not to diminish Romans 9. I'm not taking away sin. I still believe that sin has the power to seize the opportunity. Sin is very, very, very apparent in this world, okay? I'm not diminishing sin. But I think we need to lift up the freedom in Christ in order to take control of the situation, in my opinion. If we follow Christ, we can find this freedom. Live like Christ sets you free. If you're visiting with us, this is a time where we, you know, ask if you have any needs. You're probably familiar with this wherever you, and if you're unfamiliar with it, we want you to know that this isn't just words that we say, right? We hope to back this up in some form or fashion. This idea of family, we need to back that up. And I want this to feel like a family. I want this to feel like a place to where if you got something joyful going on in your life, share about it. If you got something troubling you, please share about it. And it's not just about coming forward and telling the entire church, but tell somebody, okay? If you feel like you need to be baptized, now is a great opportunity. If you feel like you need to have the conversation about baptism, now is a great opportunity as well. Whatever your needs, I hope you make them known today or in the very, very near future because we are family. And I pray that we can continue to feel and build this family up together. Let's stand and sing together.